Hello and welcome to Tommy Talks, the podcast bringing you inside St. Thomas Athletics, where we'll get to know those who wear the purple and gray. This week, we chat with women's tennis head coach, Loyce Arterberry. The Grenada native shares her experience growing up there and the culture shock of moving to the U.S. and how race is viewed differently in the two countries. We also talk Tommy Tennis as they begin their move from Division Three to Division One. All that and more on this edition of Tommy Talks. Lois, you grew up in Grenada, which is not in the United States. It is in the Caribbean. Is it uh, Caribbean or Caribbean? Let's start with that. <laughs> it's Caribbean. Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now that we've got that out of the way, what was it like for you growing up in Grenada? Well, um, for most of you that have been to the Caribbean, you know the lifestyle of a Caribbean person, <laughs> just sort of laid back and, um, <clears throat> I don't know, just kind of chill with everything. Um, very, very friendly people. I grew up on a very small island. I want to say maybe the population right now is like 112,000 people, um, which it's grown quite a bit um, in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I grew up in a in a household. I'm one of four, um, mom and dad. Everyone sort of like grew up together. You know, myself, I was always involved in like sports and um Anything to do athletic related, I was kind of involved in that. Um, so I started to play tennis. That I, I want to say that was the sport that chose me. Uh, I, I initially was doing track and field. Okay. And um, I started experiencing some injury, and um, I decided to sort of stick to the tennis route of things. And um, yeah, so I think you know I also grew up in a Christian household, um, going to church every Sunday. Um, you know deeply involved in devotions and stuff like that you know within the family and that was kind of like my lifestyle growing up so one of four you where do you fall in the amongst the children oldest youngest middle i am the third the third yes so you probably took some l's in that time in terms of being (laughs) (laughs) the third one there there was probably some competition but probably some rough moments for lois and (laughs) actually i was the i want to say i was the one that kind of started off the the sport thing in my family yeah yeah um i was always involved in sports like i said um my brother he did a little bit of running before me my older brother my sister she did some high jumping um but no one ever really stuck to anything as much as i did um and then my younger brother he sort of followed yeah like my exact path in terms of um you know sports and he started tennis after me i started to teach him um growing up and he picked it up and he got a scholarship went off to play uh, college tennis as well and now he's back at home teaching tennis in Grenada. So, yeah, it kind of just followed my path, I would say. Yeah. So it, so tennis wasn't necessarily a family sport, just something that you happened to find. So, really, when I said the sport chose me, it really did. <laughs> so, um, the way tennis works in Grenada, um, there's, like, one coach for the country, and he goes to um, all of the primary schools, and he would do, like, an introductory program. And so he came to my school that year, started off with roughly about 20 girls. He cho- um, The teachers normally say, okay, well, you should try it. You should try it, like, from each grade. Yeah. And, of course, they picked me because I was an athlete. And so they're like, oh, you're an athlete. You could probably probably do it. And so um, I was, like I said, one of 20. 
and I started to do the after school program. So he would come like during our PE time um, and we'll do tennis for, for maybe an hour. Right. And then I started doing the after school programs and I decided I wanted to play tournaments. I played my first tournament and I won it and I was like, okay, I might be good at this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me, let me keep it up. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of how it started. And I just, you know, became competitive. I played my first international tournament when I was 12 years old and just the rest is kind of history with that. You have five-time Grenada Sport Woman of the Year. Yeah. For tennis. For tennis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did it mean? You also got to represent your country in the Caribbean and Central American games. What did that mean to you? You know what? That was a big deal. I think um, that was coming off of college. So I had already completed um, my collegiate career and you know, I was a little bit undecided in terms of what I was going to do after. So I sort of took a break. And then, you know, this event came up and it was like, wow, I'm getting an opportunity to represent my country in such a huge event. You know, it's 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 like a mini Olympics between the Caribbean and the Central American countries. And so it was a great opportunity for me to just kind of go out there and represent my country and um, to compete at that level. Of course, it's super high level. We have the person I wanted, Monica Puke, she was, I think, maybe 20 in the world at the time. Oh, so, yeah, yeah I, I got to compete at, at that sort of level of tennis, and it was like, wow. I mean, it's just inspiring, and um, I just took it as a great opportunity. My younger brother, he also competed on the men's side, which was cool. Like, we got to, like, you know, play and be a part of the same tournament. And so yeah, it, it was such a big deal, such a big deal. Yeah, and, and a chance to go play for your country after coming to the United States because you played collegiately here in the United States. What yes. brought you to the United States? Did you think, okay, once you got into tennis, I'm just if I'm going to play in college, I'm going to the U.S. So really, when I started to play and I started to compete um, in those international tournaments, that's when I sort of learned that you know college tennis is a thing. Just sort of like hearing right. from different different. Um, individuals that would travel around the world to uh, play tournaments and stuff. So, you know, those tournaments that I would play, they were called ITF tournaments, and it's just the International Tennis Federation. And so you'll meet people from all over the world. I mean, any and everywhere you'll you'll meet people. And so that's kind of how I got into conversations. And also the same with the coaches. Like, I meet coaches from all over the world. And so I remember one tournament in particular, I, I was playing in St. Lucia, and a coach from the U.S., he came up to me, not a college coach, just a club coach. And... um I played the number one seed. I was playing the number one seed, and I split sets with this girl. We split sets, so we're in a third set. And he was just watching this whole match, and I was like, okay, well, who is this guy? He's just sort right. of like watching me. And at the end, he was like, you know, I know someone, and I think you can get a scholarship. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And so he made a couple calls for me, and he spoke to, um, you know, my coach at Southern University. And, you know, he called me right after that, and, you know, he said, he heard really good things about me and and I was like wow like I was only 16 years old at the time <laughs> right. by the way I was super young but I actually graduated high school when I was 16 okay so I was like ready to go and then um yeah it was it, it was like wow like I can go play college in a whole nother country right. you know I'd never been to the U.S. before um before un until I came to college so yeah um the coach called me and we went through the recruiting process and I didn't actually get to come until um, three years later. 
Really? Yeah. So I actually delayed my enrollment, which sort of hurt me in the long run because I lost a year of eligibility and I was only able to compete three years in college. But yeah, that's kind of how it worked out. And I came and I uh, moved to Louisiana and it was it was like, whoa, what is is this place? Yeah, Yeah, super different. What? Why did you delay your enrollment? So I actually went back to high school to complete it, to redo some courses. And I didn't know that because I, I took that extra, I think there was, they had changed the rule in terms of like, you had one year to enroll. I think they had changed it to six months. And then I went oh, back, okay. yeah, I went back, I went uh, beyond the six months and then I got delayed in terms of that because I went back to high school to retake some classes. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of get that GPA up. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Yeah. To get my GPA up and stuff like that. Yeah. So you go from Grenada um, and you decide to go to Southern, which is an HBCU in Baton Rouge. What was your experience like as a student athlete at Southern? So I went to an HBCU and to be honest, you know, This is, I want to say this is on me, but I did not do a lot of research in terms of like the differences between like a HBCU or a PWI. Like I actually knew one of the girls that was on the team. We actually played a lot of those ITF tournaments that I was telling you about. She is from a, she's from a Caribbean island, Trinidad. Yeah. And she was really good. She was like, um, like, um, I think two or three in the Caribbean and Central America. And so I knew she was a good player. I was like number six at the time in the Caribbean Central America. So I was like, okay, she's going there. Like I can definitely go there and play as well. So, and it was like, I've never been to the States. So (laughs) I want to go somewhere where I might actually know someone. Right. Um, And so I got to Southern and like I said, it was kind of like a culture shock for me. I thought everything was super busy and, you know, everything was moving fast and everyone was like, no, (laughs) this is like nothing, (laughs) you know, compared to like other places. But for me, it was like completely different from going from a Caribbean island. Everyone's like chill and relaxed to like busy, 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 busy all the time. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the experience as a student athlete, I absolutely loved everything about it. Everything was completely different. Such, you know, the team dynamic and, and, and the culture in terms of like, you know, going to a football game. I had never been to a football game. Right. You know, so of course I'm asking a million questions like, yeah. what is this? What is that? You know, experiencing the band at such a high level. Yeah. Um, you know, the HBCU bands, they're awesome. I mean, it's so much fun to like go to a game and be in that atmosphere and the band is like really hyped and it gets the players hyped. And so like that experience as an athlete and, you know, representing the university and competing, um, you know, in different tournaments like the HBCU Nationals and, you know, going and just being a part of a team. Actually, you know, my team at the time, it was all African-Americans or or blacks on the team. And so it for me, it felt like I was almost at home mm-hmm. in a sense, like I didn't feel like I didn't belong or anything like that. It was very cool to sort of like just sort of fit in, yeah. I would say. Yeah, and because Grenada is mostly black, right? Yes, we're about eighty-two percent black. Yeah, yeah. So, when did you first realize or experience the difference between how race is viewed in Grenada versus the United States? You know, I think from just speaking with other people and like, you know, being in a in a state like Louisiana, where, um, you know, you hear about racism and, and and different cultures, and you go right down the street to like LSU. It's like fifteen minutes from Southern, and it's like a totally different culture, mm-hmm. and 
that's when I when I started to realize the difference. And like I said, just sort of like talking to, to other students on campus or like, you know, hearing the news and, you know, sort of like being more involved and, and listening more was when I realized that, wow, there's there's a difference here. Um, again, growing up on a Caribbean island where it's 82 percent black, you're, you're like a majority in in terms, you know, right. Um, I didn't know anything about, to be honest, I didn't know a lot about like racism. I just never was exposed to it in that sense. Um, so yeah, it was definitely different, um, different culture wise, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just a, a, what a different experience all the way around. You go to a new country to a university with has all these things that you've never really been around anyway i mean that had did you ever experience culture shock i definitely feel like i experienced a bit of culture shock yeah um with the food too the food was a huge part right um yeah it was it was the, the first couple of weeks i would say i ate burgers and pizza and french fries yeah. because i knew those things right <laughs> a lot of the other things was like i what is crawfish etouffee like what is that <laughs> i'm not know? sure they know <laughs> you know what i mean so right. it, so it was it was definitely different but then my teammates were like you know you're gonna have to try something new right you're gonna have to try something different and i started to try things and i actually enjoyed it it was almost like my mindset was a little bit close to the things that i knew and i was afraid to sort of branch out and like try different things and experience different things. But it was like, you're going to be here for some time. So you're going to have to get used to it anyway. Like just go ahead and do it. Um, Another thing that I had a little bit of culture shock with in terms of walking around the college campus and, you know, I would speak to, let's say like the students and, you know, there's just a generation. I think if, it, if it's adults, it was a little different. Yeah. But growing up in the island, like, you walk by someone, you say, good morning or good yeah. evening. And everyone would sort of, like, stare at me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, okay, like, am I saying something wrong? Like, just a little different yeah. um, cultural things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I can still hear a little bit of your, your accent. accent. Yeah, which I love. Um how when did you notice that you were starting to lose it that's a good question so i feel like i was actually going to talk about the accent so when i first moved no one understood me really no one understood me so it became really difficult to have conversations with people i was actually explaining that to one of my players that just got on campus yeah. she's from india and so her accent is is sort of thick so just the way mine was when i first yeah. moved and um i would have a whole conversation with my teammate and she would look me dead in the eye and i'm like i realize that she's getting lost and i'm like <laughs> are you understanding what i'm saying and she's like no i'm like you just let me explain everything for the last 10 minutes and you did not understand anything i was saying so it took i had to sort of like adjust in the way that i speak or slow down they would tell me to slow down because i would speak really fast um and i i would say because i started to do that my accent started changing over time um and when i would go home they're like your accent is completely changed. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was like I was getting it from both sides. It was like, okay, now you're American, and they're like, no, we don't understand. You know, so it was, right. it was it was a it was a bit of a battle in terms of like adjusting 
just so people could understand and I'm not repeating myself a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, what about the, on the other side, did you ever have trouble understanding? I did. I have, I still have trouble understanding some things. Yeah. Um, it just depends on like where, you know, where and who we're talking to. Right. Um, you know, even from the difference between someone that's from Baton Rouge versus someone from New Orleans. Right. It's just two completely different, you know, they use different phrases, they use different terms, you know, the accent is sometimes thick, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I sometimes have trouble still understanding things. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember talking to someone from Australia once, and I was like, we're both speaking English, but I caught about 50% of what they said. I can imagine. Yeah. So my my husband, he's from Mississippi, and um, when <laughs> initially when we, when I first brought brought him to Grenada, he would not leave my side <laughs> because <laughs> because one he didn't understand anything at all. That my he he was used to me, but again my accent is a little bit watered down now. Right. So he goes home and everyone's like just go like we get into conversation and you can just tell he feels like he's not included at all. <laughs> And so I, I'm having to translate, and and I'm translating for my family as well because they don't understand anything he's saying. Yeah. And it was kind of like, wow, like I thought he was, you know, speaking really clear, and but for them it was a struggle. Yeah, it's funny how that works, just mm -hmm. the accents and all of that. Yeah. Um, how do you view the differences? We talked about you didn't really experience racism until you came to the United States. How do you experience the di or view the differences between Black History in Grenada and the U.S.? Um, I think it's just a lot more in depth here. And I think, you know, in Grenada, like I said, growing up where you're on an island where it's like 82%, you know, blacks. And so yeah. in terms of racism, I would say that I never really knew about it at all until coming here. And um, I like to use the story that um, when I... Two summers ago, my niece and my nephew they came to um, they came to North Carolina, and my my employers they're um, they're white Americans, and so we were having a conversation, and you know, I was something was said, and I was like, you know, my my employer like she's white, and my my niece and my nephew they're from Grenada, and they're like, Auntie Lois, she's not white, and I was like well, what do you mean? And, and they're like, they're like, they're like, she's not white. And I was like, okay. So that's when I realized that they really don't know. Right. They <laughs> the, didn't know. The, the difference. It's yeah. just like, they're like, well, she's just a, a lighter shade of brown. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's good. Right. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to leave it at that. Like, yeah. I'm not really going to go into too much details about it. Um, and, yeah, I think just being here, I've actually it for me. I'm constantly learning about like the history and you know things that has happened in the past and things that um, have been done to to change how we're able to live in this country. Yeah. Um, and even things that are happening now, you know, like the situation with George Floyd and like you know just being here to experience that, it just kind of saddens you and it's like, wow, why can't we all just be people? Right. Um, and that's kind of just how I grew up. We're all people like it. It doesn't really matter, like yeah. the, the color of your skin or any of that. Like we can all love on each other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like your niece and nephew didn't even have words. No. For it. Just a lighter shade of brown. Lighter shade. It's I just, love that. And that's what they said. They're like, it's just different shades of browns. And I was like, 
Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> Let's go 100%. with that. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And it's way more accurate. <laughs> it way is. Way more accurate. It is. I was I got schooled by by a 9-year-old and a 7-year-old. Yeah. So. <laughs> They're the, you know, the innocence of children. Often they speak the truth and they say it better than we can. Absolutely. Um, What does recognizing black history mean to you? Because uh, obviously, um, you know, you've, how long have you been in the United States? I've been here for about 12 years. 12 years. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good immersion for sure. Yeah. Are there certain people or historical events that resonate with you as as you've learned through your 12 years here? Yeah, I want to actually talk about it from like a sport perspective. Yeah. And just sort of like, you know, maybe some of the experiences that um, helped to pave the way. I want to speak about tennis in specific. You know, like we have, you know, of course, everyone knows the household names, Serena and Venus Williams, but like it started before them with like um, Althea Gibson. You know, she was one of the, the, the main figures to put just african-americans as a whole like on the map in Mm -hmm. terms of like the sport of tennis tennis is is one of those sports where you don't see very many blacks uh, involved even in coaching you know like i could say as uh at the highest level here in the u.s even currently there is probably i can count on one hand um the amount of black head coaches at top levels power five levels it's right it's not that you know it's not a a prevalent thing to see and so and it's kind of difficult to to understand that even now in this time when you have people that are like serena williams that has shown it's almost like we're working two to three times harder to get to those positions and and you know, oftentimes you want to say that it's not it's not about the race and it's not about that type of stuff, but it's just so difficult to sort of like break through. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, for us, we just have to, you know, keep doing what we're doing and, and understand that, you know, what Althea Gibson and Arthur Ashe and Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka and Sloane Stevens and all these people are doing. I'm, I'm, again, I'm speaking from like a sport perspective and right. and, and sport specific pers- of course there's other people in different sports that that has done so many great things to sort of like show that you know we are we are deserving and we are worthy and um we just got to keep keep doing that yeah well, the, I, i'm thinking of the commercial that ran during the super bowl where they, you have all these great athletes at a bowling alley mm-hmm. and then they are all odd by who walks in last and that's serena williams yeah I mean, that, uh, to me, it seems like, one, that all of these great athletes are awed by a woman mm-hmm. and by a woman of color. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, says we've come a long way. Yeah. Obviously not far enough, yeah. but a long way. Yeah. And it's and we've come a long way, and we have to keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't stop now. Um, and things get difficult, and sometimes you're like, why are we even trying? I've I've been there before. Where I'm like, wow, I may have applied for a job, and you know, I I see who the other candidate that was chosen, and their resume is nothing compared to mine, right. and it's like, wow. But at the end of the day, like we got to keep pushing because there's some other little girl, some other little boy that's looking at you and looking up to you, and 
you know, one day in the future, they're going to be able to say, like, this person made history. Yeah. You know? Well, you were kind of thrown into this midstream, mm-hmm. right? So you didn't grow up and you didn't have that mindset of, oh, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So did you do you ever find yourself having to remind others like no it doesn't have to be this way or did or was it vice versa where they're like oh no listen Lois this is just the way it is Yeah I've I've I would say I've, I've had both mm-hmm. like just a bit of both like yeah like things aren't going to get better and I'm like well if we need to make it better <laughs> right. like that's that's our job like if we all say that of course it's not going to get better you know we got to keep pushing like that's just how it is and it, especially in a sport arena it's like if we're telling our, our players to push beyond their limits and to keep working and to keep fighting and we have to do the same mm-hmm. we have to do the same for for our coaches for our our culture like we represent something big and you know it's it's on us to to make sure that it's known yeah all right well let's um talk a little bit about your team because yeah. you do have a tennis team here i do um <laughs> uh tell us a little bit about them it seems like they're finding their groove a little bit and getting yeah. better as the season progresses yeah so we are um I want to say that we're getting 1% better every day. I think um, in the beginning, it was sort of like a culture shock mm-hmm. <laughs> going from D3 to, to Division One and starting right off the gate with, you know, Minnesota playing a Power 5 school and, um, you know, just building the confidence levels and getting them to understand that we do belong and we're supposed to be here and you guys are just as good as these girls. You just have to believe it. And, you mm-hmm. know, I see it every day when we're practicing. It's just getting them to translate that over into when we're competing. And I think we will continue to get better the more we compete, the more we'll grow as a team. And so I think we're on the right track. Um, we, we've had a couple setbacks with injuries and, you know, different things. Obviously, the training load is completely different to how right. it was um, prior to now. And so they're they're adjusting. But I would say that, you know, the girls, they're very bought in and they're they want to get better. They they know what they need to do. And I just love absolutely love the team. I love the dynamic. The culture is just super awesome. Like everyone is sweet. Everyone is helpful. They're good people first. And that's like that's the main priority for me to make sure that you know they're taking care of each other and um our togetherness as a team is just on par yeah it's a young team right is it eight eight players who are sophomores or freshmen yep and just two seniors just two seniors so that senior leadership's got to be huge in a situation like this absolutely and um you know Brooke and Olivia they've done a really good job of sort of like taking those girls under their wing and um especially with the freshmen you know they've they've really been involved in just explaining to them how things sort of work around here and just college tennis as a whole. Um, And even for them, it's still a little bit of a, it's definitely different. Even the way they compete, we at the division three level, I think each match will count as a point. And whereas it's a little bit different in division one level, um, we have six singles matches and then the three doubles that counts as one point. Mm. Whereas in um, D3, it was the six singles matches and each double counted as a point. And so just them adjusting to those things as well as a whole um, has been a little bit of a difference. But no, the girls, definitely, I think the upperclassmen and the seniors, they've been doing a really good job of taking care of the team. So you've coached at a bunch of different places, Jackson State, 
both men and women. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's different coaching men and coaching women, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> How did you handle that? Because you did you have to like just take a step aside? Okay, and now I'm putting on this hat versus now I'm putting on this hat. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So. Definitely, I said, I actually did a presentation on this, just managing three cultures, Mm -hmm. because that's what it's like when you have two teams and you have the culture of the men's team, the culture of the women's team, and then the culture of the overall team. And the overall team in terms of we travel, we get on the road together. So the men might be playing at the same time as the women or the men might be getting on right after the women. And so just that support system within the team was really important as well. So just having that culture dynamic there I, I i had three captains you know not yeah. just i had one for the men one for the women and one captain that you know sort of took on the role of both teams interesting yeah so i actually did a presentation at the um the ita coaches conference uh, on this back in december um along with two other of my colleagues and so yeah it, it it's definitely um like you said putting on different hats at different moments you know I, I might be able to talk to the guys one way, and if I talk to the girls that same way, they're in tears. Right. Or vice versa. The boys get in tears too. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, I mean, it's it's just being able to adjust and understanding, like understanding your team and what works for them and what does not work for them. And I practiced, um, I did practice sessions separately on some days. So I'll have the girls come at one time, the boys will come at a different time. And then some days I have both teams together, and it's just, you know, electric almost. You know, yeah. the girls get super competitive. They want to be the boys, and then the boys don't want to lose to the girls. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I had a lot of fun um, working with both teams, and I grew really, really, really close with the, with the, with the student athletes. And so, yeah. Yeah. So you've had a lot of different experiences playing and coaching. Yep. How does that help you with this one? Because this is also a very unique transition from D3 to D1. Correct. And I feel like I've been in every situation that I've been in has been very unique um, in some sense. And so what I've done is gathered all the things that worked in different and at different stages in my coaching career and sort of like put it all together. And yeah, this situation here is, is unique in terms of like getting the, the team to go from a D3 mindset um, in terms of like competition level and just um, the way that they operate, the way that they function to now a D1 level. And it's a huge switch. Yeah. I would say just what they were used to in terms of like practices and the way things are, you know, organized and structured. And, you know, now they have weights and things that they weren't doing before. And, um, you know, managing, but also understand, understanding as a coach that it is going to take time. You know, I'm, I'm coming from, you know, being at Mizzou where the level is just super high and right. super intense and, you know, like you want to get there fast as a coach. Like you, you want you want to grow, but got to be patient and just make sure that, one, the student athletes are happy. You know, culturally we're, we're bonding really well and then everything else will sort of like fall in line. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually – I want to say that I'm, I'm learning as well throughout this situation. And I, I want to, as a person, continue to learn every single day. I think every situation is going to um, just continue to help me grow as a person and grow as a coach and sort of develop, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you like to do away from the tennis court. Uh, what do you do for fun? <laughs> hmm. Well, I do like to hang out with my husband a lot. We, yeah, that's I mean, good. We, we, we do hang out a lot. You know, we love to eat. So we've been trying 
tons of restaurants like in the city um we've been to stillwater mm-hmm. we've been to minneapolis we've just been exploring and I mean, the mall was a huge surprise. So going to the Mall of America, like it's something else. It's something else. That's yeah. like that's like a full day. Yes, it's a full day, and I mean, there's every, you can do everything in there. Did you go on any of the rides? We went to f- the flyover one. Yeah, okay. We did that. We did the Hawaii one. It was yeah. it was super cool. I, at first, I was like. It's not gonna be. It's probably gonna be boring. Yeah. But then it was actually really awesome. So yeah. I actually enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm not a rides person, so I don't really like roller coasters and that sort of stuff. He no. wants to do it, but I'm like such a chicken with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, he got me to do flyover, which yeah. was which was cool. Yeah. Um, but no. So yeah, just like to hang out. I have a dog. We hang out with him. Um, and surprisingly, I like to play tennis still. So <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. like that's like my fitness. That's like my fitness. So I'll, yeah. I'll I'll do that a little bit. Are you you're still pretty good, right? I'm all right. Yeah. Not where I used to be, but you know. Yeah, that's got to be tough though when tough. you when you're used to playing at a certain level yeah. and you're not at that level anymore. Yeah. Um. It's it's just keeping up with um the speed of the athletes now. Like yeah. that's really what it is. I can hit the ball if I'm standing still. <laughs> As long as they hit it right <laughs> to me. If they hit it right to me, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Your no. return game is on point. Yeah, exactly. No. I mean, I can, I can do a little bit of moving when I really get into it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not where it used to be. Yeah, it takes a little more stretching these days, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what are your some of your favorite foods? I am actually – I like all international food. I love Mexican food. Yes. love Thai food. love Japanese food. I I think I like it. I love Mediterranean food. Right. I like American food too. It's not on the top of the list, but it's it's there. I understand. Know? Well, because because it's American food is like what really is American food? Hamburgers. It's, right. There's so many. It's so yeah. it's such a huge cuisine. It's so many different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it becomes kind of tricky, but I do like. I like food in general. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I used to be very picky. I think that changed. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. It did change when I moved here to the U.S. So you had to be. You had to open up your right. I had to open it up because I yeah. actually never really, definitely never had Mexican before coming to the U.S. Yeah. ever. Um, um, even you know Thai food. Never had Thai food before. Right. You know, in Grenada, it's very sort of like stick to culture we grew up in a household where it's like mom's cooking three times a day so we never really ate out in yeah. terms of like going to restaurants and that type of stuff so everything was sort of like local caribbean type food and then you come here and it's like i'm eating sushi and it's like yeah. my family's like what's that <laughs> right wait the fish is raw, raw exactly yeah. they're like my mom's like why are you eating raw raw food you know and right it's, so yeah i think being here sort of exposed me and ex- ex- expanded my palate, I would say. Yeah. What's, is there a dish that you miss from home? I actually really – Caribbean food is, like, top of my list still. Yeah. So I can still – I cook Caribbean food. I bring back all my seasonings and my ingredients and my spices. And um, macaroni pie is kind of like you guys call it, mac and cheese, but mm-hmm. we bake it. Yes. Yeah, so it becomes a little more solid. I know people like, why do you have it solid? You know, but that's like our thing: macaroni pie. Yeah. We have plantains, uh, stew chicken, curry chicken. Yeah. Um, goat, all that stuff. Goat. It's good. Mutton. We call it mutton. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's um, we probably shouldn't be talking about this because I know you said you hadn't really eaten much all day. And yeah, now I'm, I'm so hungry, hungry too. now. I'm yeah. starving. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm like reminiscing. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna go eat all of the food as soon as we leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you have a favorite sport aside from tennis? Favorite sport aside from tennis? Hmm. I like to watch. I like to watch baseball in person, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the TV. It's much better in person. It's really good in person. I actually like enjoy going to the games and sort of sitting down and watch. I like all sports. I can go and be entertained at every single sport. Yeah. Now, my first hockey game was when um, St. Thomas played St. Cloud. That was my first hockey game ever. Ever. And so I remember, I don't know what this is called. Correct me, but I remember one of our guys ended up in timeout. The penalty box. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, why did they put him in timeout? (laughs) And then we're playing with four people, and we're like, we're short. And it's like, we need to get him out of there. Yeah, (laughs) let's go. Exactly. (laughs) I'm trying to understand it. So it was was actually really funny. I was there with one of my coworkers, and that was her first hockey game, too. And the guys in front of us are like, what time is, out yeah. what, what do you mean i was like can y'all explain this right, but that's what they should call it is time out pretty much yeah you've been put into time out <laughs> that's exactly what it was so right. that was my first time going to a hockey game and it was fun like i said i'm an athlete so i'm like competitive i'm like totally involved and into it all i love to to watch track and field that I, I mean i i did it a little bit and so you know all sports yeah. all any sports i can watch yeah yeah um, what are you? Are you a big TV movie person, or is there anything that you're watching or streaming? You know what? I've been watching Blacklist. Yeah, Blacklist is my show. Um, is that uh, Raymond Reddington? Yes, Raymond Reddington. And it's good, right? It's great. <laughs> it's I not just good; it's great. It's great. Everyone needs to watch that. Okay. <laughs> is there a second one besides Blacklist? You know what? Or I, is that dominating? I do, Blacklist is dominating for sure. I've been watching Love is Blind. <laughs> You're not the first person to admit that to me. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. I do like chick flicks and <laughs> that's, that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, Love is Blind. That's the show where they don't know no. what the other person looks like, right? They're in the pods. Yeah. Yeah. And so what? They just talk? So they talk through walls and the only how they can get out is by proposing first. To the person before <laughs> before seeing the person. Huh. So they propose, they get out the pause, and then they meet each other in real life. But what if the person you're next to kind of sucks? Well, that's you're growing an emotional connection right. within that time. Not physical or anything else. Just Right. Yeah. But emotionally, what if they're just not on the same par as you? Oh, well, then there's other... It's like 14 women and 14 men, oh, and they so just go through... You talk to different people. Okay. And you real, and then you figure out who you genuinely mesh with. Oh, okay. So yeah. then, uh, so you're not just like stuck in one spot. No, not with the same person. No. That's good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I'm probably still not going to watch it, but thank you for, <laughs> <laughs> for and enlightening then, uh, me. And then my, husband, my husband's in the military, and it, so we do watch a lot of like... You know, military movies. Yeah. Yeah, he he likes to watch those sort of, like, action type stuff. Does he point out, like, oh, we would never do it that way? Oh, absolutely. He would... He pauses. That's the frustrating part. <laughs> okay, he would pause it and then talk about ten minutes about what they do and what they don't do and what's going to happen next, even though he hasn't seen the movie yet. Right. But, yes. So then you need to find a tennis movie. <laughs> 
and do the same thing. Okay, we took it. We we went to the movies. I went to the movie. I took the team to the movies to watch the King Richard's movie. Yeah, and so he came as well, and he fell asleep. Oh. <laughs> he fell asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he fell asleep to the toward the end of the movie. I was like, this guy. Well, because he knows how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> They both become superstars. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Lois, it's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure getting to know you. Um, best of luck to the tennis team this year and uh, in the future going forward. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.